0: Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Obviously, I've got to start with what went down last night. Like, the NFL, if the NFL is trying to drive us into the asylum with these primetime games, it's working. It's working. And again, not my point of view. Take it from somebody who was right in the middle of the whole thing. Broncos safety, Justin Simmons, said it best, quote, Everyone knows the definition of insanity, and we can't keep doing the same things week in and week out and think things are going to change, end of quote. See, the thing is, it's not just a Bronco thing. It is a Bronco thing, but not just a Bronco thing. Like, everybody knows the definition of insanity, and that's watching the Broncos in primetime over and over and over and over again. And then thinking, somehow this time, it's going to be different. Somehow this time, it's going to be watchable. Somehow this time, I won't want to gouge my own eyes out and chuck my TV through my window. And the thing is, for a minute last night, it did seem like it might be different. Especially when Russell Wilson started the night 10 for 10... For 116 yards and a TD in the first quarter. For a second there, Russ actually was cooking. For a second there, Broncos country actually was riding. Broncos
1: country, let's ride.
0: And then that ride crashed into a flaming ditch and burned along with any hope or any optimism in Denver because Russ then wound up completing five passes for the rest of the game. Over the three remaining quarters, plus overtime, Russ went 5-for-18 for for 72 yards in the second half in OT. He was 3-for-11 for for 15 yards, 3-for-11 for 15 yards in the second half in overtime. We're talking about a future Hall of Fame quarterback, allegedly still in his prime, securing a $245 million bag this offseason. What are we talking about here? What are we talking about? We're talking about a quarterback who Denver traded two first-rounders, two second-rounders, Shelby Harris, Noah Fant, and Drew Locke for. And then the contract. I'm going to ask the unthinkable right now. And no, I'm not looking to troll anybody. I'm not looking to get anybody to react to me or look at me. I'm going to ask a legitimate, straight-up question, and I mean this. Do you think that they're missing Drew Locke right now in Denver? Yes, I said it, and I mean it. Because as bad as that guy was, I'm not sure he ever looked as bad as Russ looks right now. But don't take my word for it. Why don't we go to a more credible source? Why don't we go to the ultimate source? Why don't we go to the most credible source? The source that is NFL Twitter. Because Drew Locke, a.k.a. the Seahawks backup QB, was in fact trending last night. Which says pretty much anything you need to know about Russ's performance and where he stands right now with Broncos country. And to that point, Broncos country. to that point, where was my super cringey Broncos country? Let's, let's ride. ride from Broncos Russ country. after let's another disastrous performance. Do not subject me to four hours of that garbage, garbage and then not pay it off with that gift of cringe. That is the least you could do. You owe me that. You owe all of us that. That dude, after that game, has to get up on that podium and give us what we want, what we deserve, and what we all earned. The ultimate corn corn. and cringe. The ultimate Broncos country, let's ride. Broncos country, let's ride. And then quickly exit stage left. What looked like one of the greatest trades ever may already be the worst trade ever. They're on the hook for 165 mil with this guy in guaranteed money. I mean, how smart does Seattle look suddenly? How dumb does Denver look suddenly? And frankly, how bad does Russ look right now? But it's not all on him, right? You want to talk about cringy? You want to talk about overmatched. You want to talk about in way over your head. How about Russ's coach, Nate Ritt? (laughs) That makes me laugh. It's premium. It's free. I'm not sure I have ever seen a first-year head coach not named Pervin. Pervin, liar. Happy hump day eve, Pervin. Get out of Dodge. I'm not sure I have ever seen a first-year head coach not named Pervin look less prepared for an opportunity than this Ritt doppelganger. Mike McCarthy cannot believe how undisciplined this dude's team is, nor how horrible he is in managing the clock and making adjustments. In no way, shape, or form does Nate Ritt Hackett look like he is prepared for this gig. Nor does his team look prepared to play. I mean, I would love to roll some highlights for you. This is a TV show along with a radio show. I would love to roll some highlights for you, except there weren't any. Well, there was a muff. Just like the last time we were collectively tortured during a weeknight primetime game, which was all of five days ago. In fact, it felt like we were watching the exact same game right back. Like they ran it back. Like last Thursday's turning point in that Bears-Commander slop fest. Remember, the best offense last night, like last week, was the Chargers punt team.
2: J.K. Scott will punt it. Kicks it very high. And the ball loose. Muffed, loose at muff. The 30, Falling
0: on it. Muff. At
2: the 27, it looked like the Chargers
0: muff. got the muff. Muff. It looks muff. Like the Chargers muff. On the muff. 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 And they have. Muff. Muff. Denver muffs the punt. Muff. How good a word is muff. 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 Especially to describe that. Muff. 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 I mean, I'm seriously, that was the most heads up play of the entire game. Coach Nate Ritt had his dude out there blocking for a fair catch. So Bolt's rookie, Jasir Taylor, blew up the blocker and the fair catch, which was not only completely legal, it was incredibly heady. I'm not kidding. Tossed Jasir Taylor the freaking game ball for making a heads-up play in a game that mostly featured heads up their asses. And then tossed another game ball to Dustin Hopkins, who's out there playing with a blown hammy and still stepped up to nail the game winner from 39 yards out and effectively and finally put all of us out of our collective misery.
2: The snap, ball put down, kick is away, over Rand. it's good, it's good, the Chargers have won, and they have never let until now, and the pain so excruciating that Hopkins, after the game-winning kick, falls to the turf, holding on to his leg, but he's won it. He's won it in overtime for the L.A. Chargers 19-16
3: over Denver. Muff. Muff.
0: Not there. I just like the word. Muff. So, dude had a bum leg, and he still carried the team on his back last night. He was 4-4 for in that game, and he was the difference in that game, which says everything you need to know about that game. It was the second weeknight primetime game in a row where we got bonus football that nobody wanted to watch. Normally, free football is awesome. It's free, and it's premium. Who doesn't want more of something we love for free? Except it's no longer free, is it? Free football really is not free. Free football, in this case, is actually very costly, It costs us precious minutes that we'll never get back. It costs us irreparable damage to our sanity. So free is no longer free. Free is no longer me. Somehow, the Coach Rich Show is even more cringe than the Garrett Rich Show. No matter what Alvin plays underneath it. Congratulations for still being above ground, brah. He's still here. Have you ever experienced the flavor of actual live fire cooking? We're not talking about a fire pit in the backyard. This is about the big green egg, the ultimate cooking experience. An egg is the most versatile grill you will ever own. You can grill, roast, smoke, sear, and even bake. No joke. Try a pizza on the egg. It is incredible. Stop wasting money on grills that you replace every few years. We've all been there and done that. Forget the pellets and the knockoffs too. Listen to me. Roll with an authentic big green egg, a ceramic marvel backed by a lifetime warranty. It is simple to light, easy to use, and it works without a power source. There's no need to plug it in. With the playoffs and holidays approaching, you cannot beat a smoked turkey on an egg. It also makes an amazing gift, and they have two models that are perfect for tailgating. The best part is you can have it delivered to your house for free from a local dealer in your community. You heard me. Shop online at BigGreenEgg.com and have it sent to your house for free. That's BigGreenEgg.com, and you will thank me later. I I didn't think anything could be more cringe than the Garrett Rich Show, but the Coach Rich Show is. I mean, the Broncos were hideous. Now, I know what you're thinking. Rome, the Chargers were not much better. I know this. I'm getting there. Frankly, they did not look much better, did they? And here's the thing. Say what you will about Brandon Staley, and I know you will, you have, you do. And a lot of you have plenty to say. But I will say this about him. The dude is 4-2. He is 4-2. I'm not saying that the Chargers played well, because they didn't. But they did survive that game. They survived, they advanced, they got the dub. Unlike Coach Ritt, Brandon Staley got the result. Unlike Coach Ritt, Brandon Staley's quarterback is not a quarter of a billion dollar noose around the franchise's neck. What I'm saying is the sky is not falling here in SoCal like the sky is falling right on Russ's head right now. Now, the good thing is, and I think this is something in life we all learn, when things are not going well, no matter who you are, no matter how brilliant you are, no matter how gifted you are, even if you're a Hall of Famer, even if you're the guy, the alpha, the gal, the person, even if you're that, you're going to go through some tough times. You're going to suffer through some adversity. What's most important is... You lean on the people who love you, who know you, who can help you. That's the good thing about Russ. Russ at least has some legendary buddies that at this time he can lean on that are there to help. Well, actually, that's not true either. Because according to Richard Sherman and Marshawn Lynch, they can't get to Russ without having to go through somebody else first. He on a struggle
4: bus. Man, I want to reach out to Dog, bro, because yeah, I mean, reach out to it. You know, it His ain't. You know, it ain't. Man, come His on. Manager. If I can't, if I, if, if I can't call you direct, then I ain't calling you. Especially if I done not went to war with you.
0: Man, that is so great. That is such an amazing exchange, Alvin. Get ready to replay that. That is incredible. That was from Sherm's podcast. And that's also another brutal look for us. You got two guys, two legends, two icons. And Richard Sherman and Marshawn Lynch are saying, our guy's on the struggle bus. Our guy really needs us. We want to be there for him. We want to help him. Oh, but wait. I can't hit my dude. I've been to war with this guy. Or I've been in the trenches with this guy. I've been to battle with this guy. I've won the biggest game ever with this guy. We've lost tough games. I want to be there for our guy. Oh, but we can't get to him directly without going through somebody else. He on a struggle
4: bus, man. I want to reach out to dog, bro, because yeah, I reach mean, out to you know, it ain't, ain't. You know, it ain't. Man, come His on. Manager. If I can't, if I, if if I can't call you direct, then I ain't calling you. Especially if I done went to war with you.
0: That's incredible. So there you go. That's a brutal look for Russ. Because right now, every look is a brutal look for Russ. And in the second half, and overtime last night, dude hit rock bottom. There's the struggle bus. And then there's being ejected from the struggle bus. And having the struggle bus back over you a few times. But they can't help. And by the way, Sherman Marshawn could help. I'm not saying they can throw the ball for him, make the reads for him. Play the game for him, but you can't tell me those two dudes who know him as well as anybody couldn't have something of substance or something to help with. However, they make a great point. No way in hell we go through a manager to get to one of our guys that we went to battle with. I wouldn't either. You know what I wonder? I wonder if Nate or any of the staff are allowed to speak directly to Russ or if they have to go through his manager too. Does the head coach have to go through his manager? Instead of the O.C. or the head coach having that direct communication to the quarterback, the manager does. Now it all makes sense. It's not Russ's shoulder or now his hamstring. It's not that he just suddenly forgot how to play quarterback overnight. It's communication. They got to be patched. Everything has to be patched through to get to the guy. No wonder. It's like telling the manager what to do. The manager is then telling Russ. Russ takes that information. If he doesn't like it, he audibles out of it back to his manager. Then the manager goes back to Russ's teammates. I mean, what are you going to tell me next? That the center hikes the ball to the manager, who then hands it to Russ?
1: Broncos country.
0: Broncos country? Talk to my manager. Broncos country? Broncos country. Let's ride. Let's ride through my manager. Man, now it's all starting to make sense. How smart does Seattle look? How much Bubblicious can Pete Carroll murder with the quarter of a bill that his organization saved? Man, I'll tell you what, that soundbite does not reflect well for Russ at all. At all. Yeah, Maybe Sherm and Marshawn Lynch have an ax to grind. Or you know what, maybe maybe those two two dudes want to help.
4: He on a struggle bus
0: so i've got a quick question for you do you feel like your antiperspirant keeps you dry all day long dove men plus care dry spray has an instantly drying antiperspirant formula that can help give you a cleaner feel and offers 48 hours sweat and odor protection i said it 48 hours it's incredible and on top of that Dove Men Dry Spray feels light, and it's clean on your skin, and it's quick, and it's easy to use, especially when you are on the go. And Dove Men Dry Spray contains Dove's unique one-quarter moisturizing cream that helps to protect your skin. You know you got to have that. You have to moisturize. It leaves your skin feeling comfortable, and it helps to protect your skin as well. Truly, take advantage of that. You've got to moisturize. Try Dove Men Dry Spray, goes on dry, clean feel all day. Willie Fritz is my guest. Willie, it's great to have you on the show. How are you?
1: I'm great. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: It's good to have you on, Coach. All right, so one day at a time, I understand that. Plenty of work still to be done. I also understand that. But as I mentioned, you are ranked in the top 25 for the first time since 1998. How significant then is that for the program and for this particular team?
1: Well, it's significant. You know, we're we're very excited about it. It's been a long time since uh, Tulane's been ranked. But like you said, you know, we want there's a lot more work to, to do out there. And really happy with three and zero in conference play. Uh, you know, the guys have gotten a little bit better each and every week. And, you know, a Huge ball game this weekend, homecoming against uh, Memphis. Like I told the guys, the number one thing about homecoming is the football team winning the game. So. We're locked in, locked in on Memphis. Want to improve and get a little better each week.
0: Talking to boy Fritz. I get that you're locked in on Memphis. Let me ask you, if you don't mind, though, about USF. You had that 45-31 to win, 31 win over USF. Your quarterback Michael Pratt had a huge game, passed for 329 yards. He had four TDs. What has Pratt brought to your team, both on and off the field?
1: Just an incredible servant leader. He's you know involved and in, seems like everything on campus. A lot of things in the city, uh, great student, you know, and he's also a great student in the football game. You know, he understands football inside and out. Uh, he's set new uh, passing records the last two weeks, you know, so he's, he's really, you know, playing his best ball since he's been here at Tulane and and uh, very accurate, runs well, you know, in the college game. Quarterbacks, you know, run a little bit more than, than in the pro game, and he certainly is, uh, you know, good at avoiding you know, uh, defenders downfield, just uh, excellent quarterback. We think he's one of the better ones in the country. We're excited to have
0: him. know, yeah, well, I'm curious about campus. You mentioned campus. Like, when you're in it, you're in it, and it can be like a bubble, but it's an experience for everybody. What is the vibe like? What is the mood like on campus, given what this team has done so far?
1: Well, you know, we're a small university in a big town. You know, we're only 8,000 full-time students here at Tulane. So our guys, you know, live them in the middle of campus and I think uh there's 460 beds in the unit that our guys live in and you know we only occupy about 60 of them so I think it's kind of a unique situation where it's you know we're not sequestered on you know one part of campus they used to have jock dorms but and now you know they still kind of have them a little bit you don't have I guess 50 percent can be student athletes so our guys get to know the rest of the student body and uh you know the students I think are very excited. I, Walk around campus, class check and do all those kind of things here, and uh, you know I get a lot of the students, you know, tell me, hey, let's let's go get them this week, coach. So I think the campus vibe is really good right now.
0: Willie Fritz is joining us. You know, Willie, I think most people know that last year the team was two and ten, and there were a lot of reasons for that. Again, you're six and one; you're undefeated in conference play right now, but you were two and ten last year. I'm curious; it's such a remarkable turnaround. What was your mindset and your mission coming into this season, coming off of last year and all that adversity?
1: Obviously, we were very disappointed. We had a tough season. You know, we had Hurricane Ida. We went to Birmingham for. 27 nights and came back and some of the kids had a stay in a hotel the, the whole season so it was a different year and you know, I didn't handle it as well as I could have I'd, you know, I think there's some of those games that we left out there on the field we could have could have won but you know we didn't have very many guys under the portal just a few guys that, uh, that, that did leave us and, uh, uh, and that was it and uh, you know the kids wanted to come back and show that we were a lot better team than what we'd showed and you know, in 2021 and, and they just worked extremely hard in the off season, in the summer, NCAA kind of changed the rules around a little bit where you could have a football for a couple hours a week in the summer. And that we utilize that time to, you know, install a new offense and, you know, really, uh, hone in on our defense and, you know, did we're doing some new things in the special teams. And, you know, the guys were, uh, wanted to prove to everyone we're a lot better club than what we showed last year. They had so far this season.
0: You know, you answered that. I was going to ask you that. that it's certainly, that's not something you would ever, ever hope for. And the team went through a lot because of Hurricane Ida. But I could see where maybe, maybe the guys who did come back, maybe it has a galvanizing effect. Maybe the guys come back with a certain resolve. And you answered that part of it. You mentioned your defense. I wonder, you know, the college game has become so wide open and so high scoring, but your defense is getting it done. You're allowing under 16 points per game. That's an 18-point improvement over last season. What has been the biggest difference on that side of the ball from last year to this
1: well i think our coaching staff you know has, has stayed together for a year that's helped us out certainly we played really good defense the last five games of the season in 2021 and we've just built upon that we've got a lot of senior leaders i've got two inside linebackers that i think will be playing the nfl next year nick anderson Dorian williams they both happen to be captains for us as well and then we've got three states that are Seniors that have all played over 2,000 snaps in Division I college football, lenny Young, Macon Clark, and Murray Brooks. And it's kind of like baseball team. You know, you're strong up the middle. You got an opportunity to be really good, and we're certainly strong up the middle. All those guys are tough guys. They all can tackle and all smart. Uh, I believe all of them have graduated already as well. So, you know, they, they uh, really understand the game and. and uh, do a great job of leading us on the defensive side of the ball.
0: I like that analogy. Before you go, let me ask you about last month. Again, I know you're looking ahead to Memphis and I'll hit that on the way out the door, but how much did this group show you in going to Manhattan and beating Kansas state, 17 to 10, never an easy task, never an easy place to play. What did that do for the group? Think and the confidence of this group.
1: I think it gave them a lot of confidence. You know, it was, uh, you know, they got a great ball club. It got a lot of respect for coach climbing in the wildcats. And, uh, you know, it was. Uh, you know, you never know the path to victory. That game, we needed to play great on defense. And we certainly did, and uh, didn't allow any. You know, big plays against us. Really did a good job of tackling, playing with leverage. And, you know, when we needed the offense there at the end of the game, they did a great job driving down the field and scoring. Uh, so yeah, it gave us a lot of confidence to be able to you know get a win on the road you know against the top 20 program.
0: You know, Will, you sound a little bit like a coach's son, and the reason for that is you're a coach's son. You previously coached at Central Missouri, where your father, Harry, also coached. I'm curious, what was it like to grow up as a coach's son, and then how much did Harry have to do with who you are now as a coach and as a person?
1: All had a lot to do with me, uh, how I am now. You know, I was uh, moved around to all these exotic locations. He was the athletic director at the State, coached basketball and and, uh, football up there, and then we... Moved to Western Illinois University in Macomb, and then to University of Buffalo. And then you know, I moved to Kansas City, that's where I graduated high school, because he was executive director of the NAI Small College uh, Association. So, yeah, you know, a lot of the things that you know, I, I, I learned was from him and following him around and seeing all the coaches that worked for him. So, yeah, that obviously meant a lot
0: to me. What was that like? Like, I, I moved once as a kid from one part of Los Angeles to the other part, and now as a middle-aged man, man, I'm not sure I'm quite right from that one move. What was it like for you as a young person to move around as much as you did?
1: You know, we loved it. I, You know, I, we had seven kids, and all of us got some type of athletic scholarship. Hmm. Uh, you know, so we, we just enjoyed competing, and that was just how we did it. You know, we, you know my mom would drive us – one event to the other, and, and uh, or, you know, when you had free time, you're watching one of your siblings participate in you know basketball or football or baseball or you know just whatever sport they're involved in, gymnastics. Uh, so it was a great upbringing, and it's, it's fun being in those college towns, and, you know, and getting a little taste of that as well. So you know, every place we uh, we lived, we really enjoyed. And I've been in a lot of different places as a as a head coach, you know. And, Coffeeville, Kansas, and Brenham, Texas, and as head coach of Bland and Lawrenceburg, Missouri, as you mentioned before, Central Missouri, and Huntsville, Texas, and Statesboro, Georgia, and you know, this is the first time I've been in a, a big city coaching. So we we really enjoy New Orleans. It's it uh, was different. I, I when we moved here to, to a larger city. I, I just didn't know what to expect, but uh, my wife and I just love it here in New Orleans. The what? City's just awesome.
0: Absolutely amazing. You know, again, I'm trying to respect your time, but I'm curious, when you get to New Orleans, especially having traveled that journey, maybe you've got a better perspective now than you would have if you were younger because a lot of times when you coach, I would say to a coach, what's it like to live there? And a coach in any sport would say it doesn't really matter where you live. It's the process. It's the job. It's the thing. Hey, are you at a point in your life where you can really appreciate a significant and a fun town like that and enjoy it?
1: Yeah, we really enjoy it. Sometimes too much with the food. <laughs> probably put on about 10, 15 pounds since the seven years we've been Because People always ask me, well, you know, what restaurants you go to? And, you know, hey, do you got 15 minutes for me to tell you all the different places that we go to? But it, it really is a great city. And, and uh, you know, everybody that comes into town always wants to go down to that street that starts with the letter B. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, you know, Bourbon Street. But uh, we don't ever go down there. There's so many other things to do in the city. It's, it's incredible. Uh, you know, I, I highly suggest if you're taking a vacation, come to, come here to NOLA.
0: I was going to say, Willie, last thought, that very few things in the world live up to the hype. Bourbon Street did live up to the hype. And I will also say that when I first went back there for Super Bowl, I was told a couple of things. Number one, be careful of the hurricanes. And I did not pay heed to that, man. They are dangerous, those drinks. And then also I was told you have to hit Commander's Palace, and I did do that. And that absolutely did live up to the hype. Willie, great to have you on the show. I appreciate the conversation. you talking about your program and your team. Good luck in your homecoming game against Memphis, and really nice to get caught up with you. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on, Jim. Roll wave. are you craving some protein after a good workout? I always am. Listen, this time, don't make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender and made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach, anywhere at all. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Oh, Trapper, what's your beef? All right, so why don't we get back to the series and actually talk some baseball. If you want to weigh in on that, I'm going to call fake. But if you feel otherwise, hit me up. So the one upside to all of this, aside from the fact that if you were at that game, you had to sit out there for four hours and they ran out of food and you paid a bunch of money for beer, probably, the one upside is it did give everybody 18 more hours to think about the greatest home run ever hit. Even though it didn't actually impact the outcome of that game. Even though the greatest home run ever hit came in a loss, I don't care. And if you're going to say to me, how can it be the greatest home run ever hit if the guy who hit it played on a team that lost? And I'm going to say, so? If it were up to me not only would I ignore the fact that they lost that game despite that home run, I would have shut down the entire series because of that home run. Because nothing is ever going to top this.
2: Hits this one well in the gap in right center field. Judge watches it leave the yard. And Naylor's got his own home run dance. For the 10th consecutive start, Garrett Cole has given up at least one home run. And his 3 nothing lead is down to
0: 3-2. So what that was, of course, was Josh Naylor running around the bases, making a rock the baby gesture while repeatedly screaming the words, that's my little effing son at the mound. <laughs> like, who's your daddy? That's my little effing son. He. That's my little effing son, Garrett Cole. Repeatedly, going around the bases. He, that's my little effing son, Cole. That really did happen in a Major League Baseball playoff game. That made bat flipping look straight up polite. Hell, it made flipping the bird look like proper etiquette. That's the greatest on field smack I think I've ever seen in a baseball game. And
2: Naylor's got his own home run day.
0: You know, you could say, well, that's because as recently as five years ago, that would have got a fastball in your ear. Maybe. Maybe. But as far as I'm concerned, Cleveland already won the series based on that alone. And the commissioner's quote, piece of metal for that.
2: Piece of metal.
0: Of course, Naylor's quote, little effing son, AKA Garrett Cole was a little effing less amused by the whole thing. Garrett,
4: what did you make of uh, Nailer's celebration?
3: Yeah. Whatever. It's cute. Yeah, I mean,
4: so it seems like it did bother you a bit.
3: I mean, I, I just was made aware of it. Like, I didn't see it in the moment, and it wouldn't have bothered me in the moment. And it just is kind of funny.
0: So. I mean, there's nothing about that that's not a lie. It, it, literally every part of that is the biggest lie ever. It's funny. Lie. I didn't see it in the moment. Lie. If I had been made aware of it in the moment, it wouldn't have bothered me. Lie. Those are all the biggest lies ever. Ridd has hair. Lie. Mike in White Plains was a real, real call. Lie. Those are all lies. Yeah, it's not kind of funny. He's like, it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. No, dude, it's like the funniest thing ever on a diamond. No, it's the funniest thing ever, period. And there's nobody... It's cute. Lie. You didn't see that. First of all, don't tell me you didn't see it when he did it. And then don't tell me that somebody ran it back to you and your immediate thought was, oh, that's cute. Lie. I didn't see it in the moment. Have you ever used Spider Attack uh, or uh, lie? Nobody's buying that you didn't see it in the moment. It was like ten feet from you. How could you not have seen it in the moment? I know you heard it. He was screaming it. Everybody saw it. Okay, let me let me just make sure I have this straight. Everybody in the world saw it except for the guy who gave up the bomb. Oh, I didn't all see right. It in the moment. It's absurd. You want us to believe that you didn't notice some dude staring you down as he rounded the bases, screaming, that's my little effing son, over and over and over again. You want me to believe that you didn't see that and you didn't hear that and you didn't know anything about that until long after the fact when somebody showed that to you. Yeah. And when it finally did work its way back to you, you thought it was cute. It's cute. That's a lie. Nobody's going to buy that ever, ever. I could see where somebody might, might buy Mike and White Plains, but not this, Garrett. I mean, stop with that. Whatever. I can tell you think it's cute and it doesn't bother you at all. I, the reporter who followed up with, yeah, but it, it seems to have bothered you. No, no, not at all. I thought that was good for the game. I thought that was good for growing the sport. That's all part and parcel, man. I can't wait to me. strike him out and rock the baby right back. I mean, come it on, man. Have, it wouldn't have bothered me in the moment. It wouldn't have bothered you in the moment. Why are you so pissed right now? Ever see a guy win a game that he had to have that angry, but it wouldn't it's, have bothered you in the moment?
3: It's kind of funny.
0: Yeah, I could tell. Anyway, nobody's going to forget that. Nobody will forget that. Which is why I hope that it does add a little more juice in the event that they actually do play game five today. Brain dead Bobby, he's already done whatever he could to suck all the juice and all the vibes out of that game altogether. This guy's awesome. I didn't know. It doesn't bother me. It's cute. You might think that Naylor v. Cole is the best father son smack since Pedro and the Yankees, which was incredible. Most things that Pedro Martinez did do were incredible. But I'm going to say, going back even further, that is the best father-son smack since the famous Fernando Vargas, Oscar de la Hoya, father-son smack. Alvin, do you remember back in the day when Fernando Vargas put his son Oscar De La Hoya up for adoption on this show. Now, listening to what you say about the first time you met Trinidad. It sounds like it was just the opposite of the first time you met your son.
3: Exactly. Well, you know, I told you that I definitely gave my son up for adoption. Um, He's no longer uh, my son. He's not worthy of being my son. Uh, You know,
0: um,
3: I can't have a a son of mine being a Ricky Martin impersonator. I can't have
0: that. Let me tell you you something. This is... That was Fernando Vargas, I think, in 2000? It's cute. That was some first-ballot Hall of Fame smack. He and those two hated each other, but Fernando Vargas hated Oscar De La Hoya more than anybody hated anybody for his perceived disrespect that he received from De La Hoya. And Fernando Vargas... I've reset this before. He used to do the most amazing interviews on this show where he would say things like that. De La Hoya is my son. Or he used to be my son. I had to put him up for adoption because I'm not going to have some Ricky Martin wannabe as a son. I mean, the beef was so incredible. And then they got into the ring. It did not go well for Fernando. Fernando. Man, I miss those days. That's some father-son smack right there. That was the best. The best stuff. Yeah. September 2000. And that's when the son, the Ricky Martin lookalike, put a professional beat down on dad. It was a war. It was a war. Fernando went out on a sword, but he went out. That was something else. Man, that was absolutely something else. And then now you have... He... He's he. Dadonis! He was that night, man. Oscar de la Dadonis. He finished that night. But I miss Fernando coming on and talking that kind of junk. Good times. Or he looks like Ricky Martin. I can't have any son of mine looking like Ricky Martin. I'm putting him up for adoption. This message is sponsored by Discover. Did you know that you could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection, the latest innovation from Discover? Discover will help you remove your personal info, like your name and address, from 10 popular people search websites that can sell your data, and they will do it for free. Activate in the Discover app. See terms and learn more at discover.com slash online privacy protection. This whole thing about Mike and White Plains, is he real or not? I don't know. I don't think so. This guy I know is real because I know who he is. Let's go to Philly. J.D. in Philly. J.D., what's going on?
2: Jimmy, thanks for the vine. Uh, life is good here. The, o- when the only thing you have to complain about is the fact that we won't get to play against Carson Wentz because he's allegedly injured and because Punk Blake Snell won't be pitching in Philly. Uh, where we can take our thoughts out for breaking Frank Harper's hand and that ridiculous take he had during the pandemic. A uh, couple of things. Uh, two unsung Philly heroes. Defensive court coordinator Jonathan Gannon. We were ready to run him out of town, especially after he gave up 35 points to the Lions. But he finally figured out that we have two Pro Bowl, jungle karma-infused quarterbacks in big play Slay and James Bradbury, and have started to bring blitzes, pressure, you know, Buddy Ryan style, which is the way we like our defense to rock uh, here in Philly. And speaking of defense, hey, Cowboy fan, where was that 85 Bears, 2,000 Ravens defense when it mattered? when we jammed it down your throat in the fourth quarter. You know, Micah Parsons spent more time on the side of a milk carton than in, the, than in the Eagles backfield. And it was nice to see, and you can see on the clip, uh, the stud, the legend, Jason Kelsey, can-taking Demarcus Lawrence. So don't hand me any of that America's team crap. Look where America was invented. Look at the back of a $100 bill if you have one. Independence Hall, Constitution Hall, the Liberty Bell. It's all Philly, baby. We are America's team. And Kelsey called out all you fake, phony cowboy fans. You know, you, when you guys start to do well, you come crawling out of the woodwork like cockroaches. And we, and we know because we smell the mothballs that all your Cowboys gear is packed in. Right in there with Grandma's typewriter and Fat, fat Mike's football We're fools, which is, I guess, he updated that playbook at his barn and sold Jarrah on the idea that he somehow was going to bring you back to your former level of
0: glory. So
2: you know you're. JD, JD, get out of the
0: water! JD, shark, shark! JD, swim, swim! Shark, shark! That's the shark alarm! Get out! Get out! JD! Shark! As we sound the horn to stop the final. White Plains, Mike in White Plains. Good to have you, Mike. How are you?
3: I was in section two hundred two in the bleachers last night, and it was a disaster. I get to the game at three thirty because I have to stop across the street at a certain place. Meet my buddies, head into the stadium, drink a few more. Now we want food around, uh, say, 6 o'clock, 6.30. All right, we get a little nice because we figured, okay, well, the game is going on. We don't want to eat too much. We have to drink some beer. We don't want our stomachs full. So we wait, and all of a sudden, 7.30, quarter 8.00, I don't know what it was. They ran out of food. We couldn't find food. So we're sitting in the rain. We're in, in, in. And we're out. We're in. We're out. We're soaking wet. We're all chatting, what should we do? No food. You couldn't find food. I want a voucher, actually. They have enough money. But the whole point was, I don't know, I blame Major League Baseball. I'm a Yankee fan. I can't blame the Yankees. I blame Major League Baseball. I will blame the Yankees for not giving us something back today in the form of a voucher. I know it's logistically impossible. But this is what I'm pissed about. I sat there in that stadium for five hours. I'm an old man. I'm 86 years old. I don't want to sit in rain when I'm 80. I had to go home last night and make myself a sausage sandwich because my goddamn like <laughs> was sleeping because it was too
0: late. Uh, Mike. No, Mike. You don't like that car. I don't like that car. I mean, my man. <laughs> no, car. I-, I get it. Ernest Jones is my guest. Ernest, good to have you back. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, dude. Good. So the season did not necessarily start the way you would have liked. How good does it feel then to hit that bye week and get back to 500 after beating Carolina?
4: No, it definitely feels good to, you know, get this win before the bye and give the guys time to, you know, get our bodies right. So we're excited about, you know, how we can come back after this and go forward.
3: I
0: thought Daryl Henderson had a pretty interesting quote. He said, we needed to get our swagger back and we did, do you agree with him? Do you feel like he got that swagger and that mojo back with that win over the Panthers?
4: No, definitely. I feel like a lot of guys were able to make plays, and that just built confidence for us. And I think in, in terms of, you know, what this win did for us, it's definitely going to propel us to, you know, give us that confidence and get and that swagger that we had. Ernest Jones,
0: I was going to say, Ernest Jones, joining us, you mentioned making plays. You made, well, actually, you made a number of plays, but you made a key play on a key third down in the opening quarter when you body slammed Christian McCaffrey. What about that moment? Do you feel like that particular play shifted the momentum and set the tone for the team defensively?
4: Um, a lot, You know, a lot of the guys are saying that that moment there was a, a big shift for us defensively. That kind of got us all riled up and got us going. Um, so for me to be able to do that for my team, you know that that's something big for us, and I always want to be that tone setter so that so that was good for us to get going in the right direction.
0: I got a couple of thoughts on that, like I thought your reaction to the play was awesome, like you just jumped up, you got up, and you ran the other way. You didn't even say anything, did you? How come
4: I didn't say anything i I didn't honestly mean to slam him because I know you know the effects of you know that you can get penalized or whatnot. But after it happened, I just got on up and ran away. I didn't want to bring any more attention to myself than I had already done.
0: (laughs) It's funny. Ernest Jones joining us. You you mentioned that your teammates were saying that shifted the momentum or that helped set the tone. When you're playing that position, do you ever try and force You can't force the moment, right? Like You want to be that guy. You want to make that play, but it's got to come to you, right? Or can you decide in a moment, like, I want to impose my will so I can set that tone for the team defensively?
4: Um, it's kind of both ways, you know. Just depending on the the way the game is going, you can go out there and just say, okay, on this play right here, I'm going I'm gonna go make something happen, or or go physically dominate somebody, and
3: and,
4: and do and do my best, to, you know, set the tone in that way. So so it can kind of be either way.
0: Talking to Ernest Jones, let me ask you something also. You made a play. Sean McVay cracked after the game that you were very selfless in, quote, passing the ball to Nick Scott for that INT. What happened on that play, and did Scott show you the proper gratitude for hooking him up like that?
4: Oh, yeah, no, he definitely was thankful for uh, for me hooking him up with that interception right there. So I kind of stole a uh, fourth from him early on in the year. So that was kind of our get-back uh, for each other. But you know, that's the type of guy I am. I just drop the ball and let it fly through my hand so another one of my teammates can, you know, get the benefits of the interception.
0: My man, I was gonna say, uh, don't get this twisted. I know you're all about the team. I know you're all about the win, but you look like you wanted that one.
4: Yeah, I wanted it. I've been I've been searching for one. I haven't really had a chance to get my ball my hand on too many balls this year. So I just been want to capitalize on the opportunities that I do get, but just good for us that we were able to come out with the interception for the defense and get the win. So I, I, I'm, I, I'm satisfied at the end of the day.
0: I appreciate that honesty. Ernest Jones is joining me. You had a mic'd up segment I thought was great. A great mic'd up segment. They caught you on the bench saying, quote, we really the flyest team in the league. We really oh, yeah. the flyest team in the league. That's a big statement now. How so? What makes you guys the flyest? We
4: just, I just think, in, in, that, in that instance, we were talking about game day outfits, and Bobby had came up, and just, I just think our team is just like, a lot of the guys like to look real fly, they take, they take, you know, pride in that, so I feel like we're just definitely one of the, if not the top fly, you know, the fly team in the league.
0: You guys right there, you mentioned Bobby. What's it like to have a vet like Bobby Wagner in that linebacker room and seeing how an all-time great works and prepares every single day on the field, in the weight room, in the film room, pretty much his entire approach?
4: I mean, it's, it's been great since day one. It's definitely been great motivation for me just to, you know, see somebody that's gone through this league and is pro bowl and done done all the things that I, you know, aspire to do. So just him being so close and learning from him has been great, and I've been definitely picking up and taking you know, notes of everything that he does.
0: you know, It's amazing when you think about it, right? Like I mentioned at the top that not only do you have a ring, but you showed up and you had a huge game in the Super Bowl. I understand that you're looking forward and not back, but I've got to ask you about the experience because there have been some really special players in that league that never got anywhere near the chance to play for a ring, much less win one. What was it like to get yours in your first season on your home field? When you think back on that day, what kind of memories do you have?
4: Um, it's nothing like it. On that, that ring ceremony day, I just remember just, you know, staying at the ring and kind of in, in shock on how big it was. and Just like all the work that, that I put in all my life just came down to, you know, this moment, and it happened so early for me, so I feel like I still got a lot more to go. Just, just in, the way of, in the way of me just thinking, but it, it, it was probably one of the greatest moments of my
0: life. Ernest Jones joining me. You mentioned that you put all that time in, like everything you had done in your life led up to that moment. You look at your college career, and we see how every Saturday, how high the level of play is in the SEC. How did playing at South Carolina and the level of competition you faced every Saturday get you ready for the NFL?
4: Um, it definitely prepared me. I think playing in the SEC I think those are, you know, the top guys in that in that college level and a lot of the guys that I'm playing now in the league i i kind of played in in the um in my time at South Carolina or they were in the SEC. So I just think it definitely prepared me, prepared me to just be able to play tough, learn on the fly, learn quick and just, you know, be, be acclimated to, you know, what the NFL was gonna bring.
0: So I'm curious like how do you approach a bye week? You get to week seven, you get to five hundred, you get so much needed rest. What's a bye week like for you?
4: Oh for me, it take like two two days and just take away from football, get your mind away and then on on about you know Thursday, Friday, I'll start back working out and getting ready you know for a bye week for me, it's kind of just two days, and I'll get back to what the what the, what the the main goal
0: is. Dude, how nice are those two days? Like, what do you do? Do you do nothing at all? Do you try to kind oh, of recover? Oh,
4: nothing at all. You just sit here and you just enjoy. That's no responsibility right now.
0: Dude, how awesome is it sometimes to do nothing?
4: Oh, it's great. <laughs> for, <laughs> Dude, I see for me, me it's great.
0: I get that. Before I let you go, I understand you're concerned about your job and your side of the ball, but offensively, from where you were sitting, how nice was it to see the running game get untracked a bit and for wide receiver Allen Robinson to get involved and make his presence felt?
4: No, no, that was great. I think as a as a whole, uh, for the run game, I think just getting that going, that's definitely going benefit, to benefit us in the long run. But I think though those guys are just hit with some unforeseen circumstances, and they're all battling through it. So I feel like we're all going to come out of this by get a few guys back, and just be ready to go uh, on that side of the ball. It was great seeing A-Rob get, get, get the ball, get the ball in his hands, and show what he really can do. So I feel like this just all kind of, you know, was a confidence builder and coming out Out of the bye, I'm excited to see where we go from
0: here. All right, so leave us with that thought. I don't want to wreck the bye. I don't want to interrupt your time off, but you got the 49ers on Sunday, October 30th. You know how that is a physical, physical matchup always. In fact, lay it out for me. What's it like when you go up against them and how physical is that game generally?
4: Oh, yeah, it's definitely a physical game, but it's like a chess match. Um, You know, mistakes are minimal and you can't really make mistakes. The team that makes the less mistakes always comes out on top. And, uh, unfortunately, it's been them the past few times in the regular season. So, I'm um, just looking forward to the opportunity to right in a few wrongs and, you know, doing, the, doing, doing what we're supposed to do in that game.
0: By the way, you're right. That is one of the ultimate chess matches, especially with those two head coaches. He's a linebacker for the Rams. They get to 500 at the bye week, and they're going to take on the 49ers on Sunday. Ernest, I appreciate you coming back on, especially during the bye week. I appreciate you. Great to have you. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. Thank you. Good night now!